We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Digest podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest on Fan Nation, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. And boy, do we have a huge episode in store for you guys today. Four-star Servite wide receiver Ted Tyroa McMillan has committed to Oregon, and we want to talk all about it. Late night edition of the podcast here, August 16th, 2021, just after 10 p.m. here in Eugene, Oregon. And I'm joined by Ducks Digest reporter Dylan Rubin King to break it all down. Dylan, I'm fired up, as you can probably tell. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's a, such an exciting uh, time for Oregon. I mean, their recruiting class just keeps getting better. It's white hot right now. 18 commits already. Um, and he's just, you know, one of the best that they have already. Um, so, yeah, I'm super excited to break this down. Yeah, I mean, they already have a, a lot of really talented guys in the fold. Jaleel Florence coming not too long after the Saturday Night Live camp. Um, and I think that, you know, kind of a trend we've seen with Oregon is, you know, later in these classes, the, the quality of the player just gets better. Kind of like I've said a couple of times here, the Ducks do the heavy lifting here in the summer. Season starts in just about three weeks. And then by the time that kind of gets going, they can focus on the on-field product and really do, uh, you know, look at the, some of the fine details here with some of the really, really big names they have left on the board. And to check off a guy like Ted Tyroa McMillan before the season starts is uh, no small task. You look at their list of recruits. I think you could make an argument that every guy on there could be a four star um, if they're not already. I mean, they have loads of four stars in there already. And then you talk about guys like Stefan Johnson and Michael Wooten. I think those are guys that are good enough to be four stars. Um, so, you know, just across the board, it's absolutely loaded. Um, 2021 was a great one. And it was like, you know, how, how can Oregon follow this up? And I think they're well on the way to at least matching it and maybe even exceeding it. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I put out a tweet uh, just a couple minutes ago about Brian McClendon saying that he, he might, he's on track. I'd say that to one up himself here in the, the 2022 cycle, definitely asserting himself as one of the best recruiters in the country. And it's funny when you talk about that, because you kind of had Alex Mirball asserting himself as one of the best uh, recruiters in the country with the ridiculous offensive line haul that took off here in, in July. Uh, Michael Wooten, you mentioned him, one of those very names. Um, so yeah, let's break down this recruitment, man. There, there's tons of little stories within the story here. Um, I got to, uh, to see T-Mac, as they call him, uh, out at the opening when I traveled to LA last month. So uh, I feel like I have a pretty good beat on this recruitment. Um, you know, got to talk to him after his official visit and, and all that jazz. 
Um, but the biggest thing, you know, is the, we just want to start off here. This was a Pac-12 battle. If he didn't go to Oregon, the Ducks would be suiting up against him uh, either at Arizona or USC. A lot of people, when they're looking at this uh, recruitment, just from the outside in, you see Oregon and USC and then Arizona. You're like, OK, well, it has to be Oregon and USC. But I think this one really came down to Oregon and Arizona. Um, the Ducks definitely had to overcome a lot in order to to get this one, to keep that Southern California pipeline going. Uh, you know, McMillan had his high school quarterback, Noah Fafita, committed to Arizona. And then another Servite teammate, Kean Burnett, uh, also committed to Arizona. He's a tight end. And, you know, to, to overcome all of that certainly says a lot about this class and just makes the, the commitment that much more meaningful. And you think about USC, too. I mean, the Ducks had to overcome them, too. USC is right there for T-Mac. And, um, you know, you probably saw it at the opening. He got along really well with Devin Brown, who had a ridiculous opening game um, for, you know, his high school, throwing eight touchdowns in the first half. Damani Jackson, you know, got along with him as well. A couple of USC guys. Um, you know, to me, I thought going into this day that Arizona was kind of the leader just because of, like you said, his teammates being there. Um, and I think Arizona has been hot recently. I mean, they picked up Zeke Berry. That was a big one. Um, they stole them from, they stole Zeke Berry from under Oregon's nose. Um, cause I thought Oregon was the leader in his recruitment, but, uh, it's really impressive that Oregon was able to get this guy. And the fact that they're still in the running for a few other really good receivers too. I mean, they already have four in the 2022 class. They had three in 2021. They had Chris Hudson in 2020. I mean, it just seems like over the last couple of years, it's just been wide receivers, galore coming to Eugene and it's not like they're scrubs or anything like that. They're two-star one-star guys that, you know, maybe develop over time. These are guys who are like being recruited by everybody across the country. So it's really impressive. Like you talked about with Brian McClendon being one of the best, I mean, NFL production isn't necessarily like at the top, you know, you don't really see Oregon at the top of that yet, but they might get there with all the guys that they're getting soon. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I, that's a, one of the, the questions that I like asking these wide receivers, um, you know, as recruits when I'm talking to them is, you know, hey, I, I think I asked uh, T-Mac that very question. I can't remember his response off the top of my head. Oh, no, it was, it was Isaiah Satania. I asked him because uh, he was also down to, uh, well, he was down to specifically Oregon and USC in his recruitment. Uh, T-Mac was down to three teams, but I was along those very lines, Dylan. I was like, you know, USC has got that rich wide receiver culture. You got Robert Woods, Juju, uh, Michael Pittman now, Micah Pittman's brother in the league. Um, and you know, they have all the national championships and everything. And, and Satania was saying, well, yeah, like that's that's awesome and everything. But I think that, you know, I, I wanted to be with the best coach. And that was Brian McClendon. And, um, you know, he even said that uh, USC was throwing some some numbers at, uh, at him to kind of, you know, it seemed like it was a little bit of negative recruiting to be totally honest. Um, and it wasn't really taken into account the recruits that, uh, you know, McClendon has got gotten to come to Oregon since he took over. Um, and this is going to be his first full season at, at Oregon. Um, and I think, you know, when you look at the guys that are on the team now, uh, whether it be Devin Williams or Micah Pittman, Johnny Johnson, the third is certainly um, I think, outperformed his recruiting ranking since, since coming to Oregon. And he's looking like a guy who could get his name called in the draft potentially, or at least find his, his name on an NFL roster. The, the um, you know, the potential certainly there. I feel like we uh, kind of got a little bit sidetracked, but I wanted to go back to a point that you had made about uh, Devin Brown and Damani Jackson, you know, since I was there at the camp, you know, seeing these guys interact, you know, they were definitely hitting it off. And, 
you know, Brown and Jackson were all over him at the camp, you know, not in a, a bad way or anything, but like they were just hanging out all the time. And, uh, you know, I took a picture of them while, while I was down there and, and they were all throwing up the, the V for victory fight on. And, and, you know, I think one of them said future Trojans like question mark um, because T-Mac wasn't committed at the time. Um, and, you know, I think Devin Brown is an absolute baller. So that, that was a, a, another thing that the, the ducks, you know, kind of had to, to overcome as well. The allure of playing with a quarterback like him. Oh, for sure. And when I was, checking out what you said um when, when you were talking to t-mac after his visit he said he hadn't really talked to tanner bailey too much um you know who would most likely be his quarterback down the line when he goes to oregon um and i thought that was kind of interesting that you know he was so close with devin brown and i think what really did the job for oregon here was brian mcclendon um and just because he said you know Oregon wins games. They win Rose Bowls, Pac-12 championships. Obviously, that's nice for most players, but he said that's not really his goal. His goal was to get to the next level, um, and he must really trust Brian McClendon, who has done that at other schools. He did it at South Carolina. Guys like Brian Edwards and uh, Debo Samuel got to the NFL. So I, I don't know. I think it's just really impressive what Oregon's, not just Brian McClendon, but overall their position coaches have been able to do is just really, really impressive. And the fact that they got this one, this recruitment over Arizona and USC, who I think had just as much reason and justification to get T-Mac. I think it just says a lot about Oregon overall. Yeah. And, and just to, to dive in a little bit more, dig into some of the layers of this recruitment to, to, you know, talk about some of the stuff that maybe Arizona and USC kind of had going here. Um, we already talked about with USC real quick. I'll just start there because they're close to home for him. Um, you know, they, they had him on campus uh, for an unofficial um, since the recruiting trail opened back up following the dead period. Um, but uh, you know, after the unofficial um, I can't remember the ordering of everything, but basically after that trip, they were vying to get another, they wanted to get an official from him, but that's the thing. Uh, you know, he was just really busy and he was out camping on the camping circuit um, you know, the opening where he took home, uh, MVP and then Servite's, you know, preseason stuff started up and he was, I asked him like, Hey, do you think when I was in LA, do you think you're going to be able to, to get that official? And he said, I don't, I don't think I'm going to, the only way I'm going to be able to is, is during the season and I want to commit before the season. So, um, in kind of a really weird way, I think we maybe saw USC's location backfire in, in a weird way, if that makes sense, because, since they're so close to so much elite talent, maybe they don't feel the need to use an official because they can just go so quickly. And then the timing obviously didn't work out there. Uh, and then to just talk about Arizona for a second, um, you know, obviously not one of the stronger programs in the PAC 12, but they're, they're starting to recruit a little bit Two commits here in the month of August. Um, and Jed fish, um, you know, he has a lot of, uh, you know, I think he has a lot of uh, energy around that program right now. Obviously, there's a family feel there. T-Mac had a lot of good things to say about him. And, you know, just with uh, kind of like I was saying, where like people kind of would discount a program like that. T-Mac's a very, you know, soft-spoken, humble dude. Uh, played, you know, played everything pretty close to the vest during his recruitment. And I think that, you know, when you talk about that and how much family means to him, you could definitely see a school like Arizona being more of a, a reasonable option. Yeah, for sure. And I think it kind of goes along with Oregon as well that, you know, he was talking about how when he goes on visits, I remember him saying like, 
it's kind of always about football sometimes. That's all he's ever talking about when he's there. It's just football, football, football. And he said it's really nice to kind of get away, which that kind of took me by surprise because, you know, a lot of the guys that I've talked to at least and I've seen, um, you know, talk in public, they're kind of like, you know, we kind of want to just get the football stuff out of the way, but also, you know, not as important maybe, but kind of get a feel for the teammates and the vibe in the city and that kind of stuff. But it seemed like most people have really had that priority on, you know, what's it going to be like as a football program? Like, what's my fit here? What's the fit with the coaches and stuff like that? And I think with Oregon, he really prioritized getting to know the teammates, getting to know the vibe, just kind of relaxing, doing non-football stuff. And I think that was like a really good priority in his head. Not a lot of people kind of go that way. So, you know, I'm glad that he mentioned that family vibe. And I think, like you said, Arizona would have been a great opportunity for that as well. Cause most people that I've talked to that visited Arizona, you know, Jed fish was having like a barbecue at his house and he was hanging out with his family and his kids. And it just seemed like they were all really tight knit there, which is awesome for a first year coach. Um, USC kind of seems like it's like you said, kind of about the numbers NFL, the flash, the rah, rah stuff, but Oregon just has that family feel. And I think that's why it makes it such a great home for anybody to go to regardless of where they come from. Yeah, and there's there's plenty of optics too, you know, that that show why this is such a big win for Oregon. But wanted to shift a little bit here, Dylan, and, and get into some analysis, right? You know, that's kind of an area that I feel like I want to, you know, push myself a little bit more is like analyzing the game of football and you know specific skill sets. Um, you know, full transparency, we've got some analysis here, courtesy of the the awesome guys over at SIL American, John Garcia Jr director of recruiting for SIL American and Brian Driscoll as well. He runs the Notre Dame site for SI um, and then also helps out with SIL American with some really, really good stuff. Um, So real quick, I just wanted to get into some analysis here. Let me um, working on getting my screen share all set up um, as we go here. So if you'll bear with me for just a second, I'll go ahead and get that up. And we'll be in business. All right. You got my screen. Okay, Dylan. Yes, sir. Right on. All right. So these are uh, T-Max sophomore highlights. I should say this is from 2019. Everyone knows that COVID season was kind of weird, but they're impressive highlights nonetheless. So here we go. Ted Tyrone McMillan playing out of Servite High School in the uh, Trinity League. 65 catches, 851 yards, and 12 touchdowns. Uh, Let's get into these highlights and uh, get this – get this analysis rolling as well. So without further ado, here we go. McMillan is an incredibly long, lanky wide receiver with one of the best catch radiuses in the country. He is every bit of six foot four with long arms, but McMillan has exceptional body control and flexibility to go with that length, which makes him a one-on-one nightmare. McMillan has fast hands and is a smooth pass catcher, traits that should make him a weapon in the red zone and as a chain mover. If you really want to see how good of a leaper he is, find some of him playing volleyball and you'll be impressed. McMillan has sneaky speed that allows him to get over the top of defenses and allows him to exploit creases over the middle of the field. Man, yeah, that's a, a lot of good stuff there, Dylan, that you want to hear about your wide receiver, um, you know, coming into play here. And um, I think, you know, a big part of that that stood out to me, you know, from when I got to see him was just how smooth he was and all of his movements, you know, maybe not the the most built guy at 185, but certainly not, you know, uh, a shrimp, if you will. Uh, I think he carries his, his, he moves his body tremendously well. 
and is just super effective in almost any situation. The word that kept popping up in my head is fluidity. He was really fluid. He seemed to really know what to do with his cuts and um, just every route. He seemed to know where his spots were. He was very in tune with his quarterback. Um, The one thing I will say is you mentioned the red zone. I think like at the goal line, he was unstoppable at the goal line, just kind of that back corner fade or just kind of, you know, cutting into the back of the end zone. I think he's unstoppable in that regard, which I think makes him very lethal as a receiver. Um, When I was watching some of his film, I didn't see a whole lot of like man-to-man coverage kind of, you know, not just at the goal line, that kind of stuff, but like, you know, around the rest of the field, I didn't see a whole lot of that, but when he did, he definitely won those advantages. I mean, this is obviously a highlight reel, but he was very good one-on-one. But the one thing that I think you said, he's kind of not built like a lot of receivers who are maybe 6'3", 6'4", are. He's pretty lanky. He's extremely long, so I guess he makes up for that. Like they said, the one of the best catch radiuses in the country, and he definitely shows that. Um, but at the same time, I think one thing that could make his game even better, take that to the next level, is his quickness at the line of scrimmage. I think sometimes it kind of takes a second, especially if – the defensive back kind of gives him that space. I think sometimes you don't really see that quick, just boom movement. Um, if he's up against somebody man to man, I'd like to see him be a little bit quicker at the line, especially with his feet. Cause in college, you're going to see a lot of guys who are a little bit more physical, try to stop you at the line. Um, and then in the NFL, it's even, it's even better than that. So um, I think that's one thing that can make his game better. When I was watching him, I really was reminded of um, a young, like Cal Keenan Allen, and obviously Keenan Allen is, you know, one of the best route runners in the NFL now, but at Cal, like Keenan Allen was just, uh, he was a lanky dude too, similar size, similar skill set. Uh, I think Keenan Allen is a really good co- comparison in terms of Oregon guys. I was reminded of Darren Carrington, who you might remember. Darren Carrington was a little bit more built than T-Mac is, but similar skill set, similar, uh, you know, abilities, similar cash radius length, all that kind of stuff. So I think he's a phenomenal prospect, and I think Oregon really uh, struck gold with him. Yeah, we got a lot of uh, a lot of awesome traits there and, and breakdowns with this game. Um, and then just another part that I think goes into this evaluation when you look at all the things that he's doing on film is the schools that he's playing, the talent that he's going against. Right, this is a battle-tested wide receiver playing in the Trinity League, one of if not the most difficult leagues in all of uh, high school football. Um, you know. Granted, there's definitely some tough ones out there in Texas and Florida and the rest of the South, but these are schools that play the best teams in, in all of, uh, you know, the U.S. Uh, you know, look at one of the teams that, that a Servite plays on a regular basis, St. John Bosco. They're playing, uh, I want to say it's Miami Central, and that's uh, one of the top-ranked teams in the country. Someone might have to fact-check me there, but I know it's a team from Miami. That's who they're kicking their season off with before they even get into, into to, you know, Trinity League play. Uh, so he's going up against schools, like I said, Bosco, modern day. Uh, you have some, you have Jay Sarah, Mission Viejo as well, where the Ducks got uh, Brennan Schooler, uh, for those that remember him. And then uh, also Bishop Gorman, uh, a national powerhouse out of Vegas, where the Ducks are heavily invested in Cyrus Moss. So it's kind of crazy. It's all interconnected. But the point I'm making here is you got a guy that's that's just played against elite competition from the jump. And, uh, you know, I think that's just going to make him even more ready to make an impact early on once he gets to Eugene. Yeah, I think he might be even facing some of these guys that he's facing in high school at the college level and maybe even beyond. So, um, you know, if he's really 
getting the separation with his skill set now against guys like that, then who knows when he gets to college how much better he's really going to be. Because I think it's impressive given his, you know, kind of lack of, I don't want to say lack, but like, um, you know, he's not super polished at the line of scrimmage. Like I said, like I'd like to see him be a little bit quicker. Um, but like the fact that he's still able to create so much space when he's not super big, not super fast. Um, I think it says a lot about like his actual just footwork and his mind going into routes and he really understands his opponent. I think that's a really big factor into who he is as a receiver. It's, it's impressive. And then let's also talk about Dylan, the, the talent that he's joining at wide receiver, right? You know, that's kind of what I started off the episode with. He's, he's joining a, a really strong hall of talent, at wide receiver already. Uh, what can you tell us there? Well, I mean, he's the fourth receiver. I mean, this is, this is just an impressive receiver core and they're probably not done, but we'll get to that later. Um, he's joining Stefan Johnson out of Texas, Isaiah Satania out of Arkansas, Nicholas Anderson also out of Texas. I mean, he, he fits in great with this bunch because there's, you got some smaller guys, real speedsters like Satania, Nicholas Anderson, I believe is in the six, three, six, four range. So they have a, a great mix of talent and production and just experience. I mean, these guys look really polished as a group. So I cannot wait to see them. And they're going to join guys in 2021, like Dante Thornton, Troy Franklin, Isaiah Brevard. I mean, it's so impressive what they've been able to do. Chris Hudson. Um, so it's just, it's really impressive. And then if you take into who they have at tight end, Terrence Ferguson, Maliki Menevel, they haven't had, I don't think they've added anybody um, who's like a super highly regarded one other than Andre Dollar, I believe is a three-star for 2021 or 2022, excuse me. Um, but overall, like the pass catchers that Oregon is going to have is going to be one of the best groups that they've ever had come in 2022, 2023. Certainly uh, really exciting. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons that people are hyping Oregon up so much now for, for the 2021 season is the collection of skill talent. It's, I don't, it's, it rivals anything that we've seen at Oregon before. I mean, even when Oregon was at its peak, I really don't feel like they were playing with that good of talent you know they're kind of just like those hidden gems or those people that chip kelly was able to just squeeze the best out of you know maybe kind of compare that to uh you know matt campbell what he's doing at ohio state you know maybe not the best roster but man he can get those guys playing and then if you look at it now with oregon mario cristobal has brought in phenomenal coaches some of the best in the business as far as scheme goes and brian mcclendon who who has proven to be really really good at developing talent and you look at all that excitement for now and you figure most of it's going to be back next year or, you know, some of these big recruits from the class of 21, they're going to have a whole season under their belt. And then a lot of these guys at 22 are probably going to end up getting here early. Absolutely. And I think one thing that you mentioned that is an interesting comparison was that Oregon team in its peak, let's say the 2014 team that went to the national championship game. I think that team and even ones before it with like the Anthony Thomas and Kenyon Barner, they were really top heavy. Like the starting lineup was absolutely stacked. I think what makes this team different, like even 2021 and definitely 2022 is depth. And I think that's such an important thing when you're trying to win championships is next man up and just who do you got on the field? It's 11 man, you know, mentality all the time. I think it's, it's such an impressive thing that Oregon's been able to do. Cause like the recruiting wasn't necessarily this good, even when they had Chip Kelly, Mark Helfrich when they were, you know, national title contenders then. And I think now that they are, I, I can't wait to see it on the field because a lot of it's just on paper now. I mean, the 2021 class has only done spring camp and the spring game and fall. 
it feels like we've seen so much of them already because this off season, it's just so much every day. And I'm sure you can relate to that going to the camp and stuff. Um, but you know, I, it just, it's so exciting to see the growth of all these players. And when you add in so much talent next year, I mean, it's almost a, a problem that they, that they're going to have with so much talent, you know, where do you go? Who's going to be starting? How do you sit some of these guys down? I think that's going to be a really interesting um, conversation that, that, uh, especially on offense that they're going to have. A lot of really good stuff to kind of peel back there, Dylan, the, the two points that kind of stick out to me the most uh, we have uh, depth, right? I think, you know, maybe some people get a little bit too caught up in the excitement of having all these great guys in the 2021 class. Granted, it looks like we are going to see a pretty good amount of, of freshmen play this year, but um, having that depth is, is huge. You know, virtually every coach that we talk to here in fall camp says, we want to build depth. We want to get everybody ready to go so that I was just talking to Alex Mirabal the other day, you know, want to get everybody running through all these positions. Heaven forbid somebody goes down. You, you cannot miss a beat. If you have a guy that, you know, say the ducks only have, uh, you know, Johnny Johnson, Micah Pittman or something, and then someone goes down, you can't have a fall off, especially when you're playing these huge games the ducks have on their schedule now. Um, and then I thought, oh, shoot, I have one more big point that I wanted to make, but, Oh, okay. Yeah. The other point that I wanted to make, uh, I talked about this uh, on Ducks Digest um, uh, with Nick uh, about our top performers from the, the first scrimmage here of fall camp. Everybody's been hyping up Dante Thornton and Troy Franklin, and that is hundred percent warranted, totally reasonable. They are going to be phenomenal players for the Ducks, I believe. But Isaiah Brevard, that dude just got here in June and he blew me away on Saturday you know, granted he was going against some of the, you know, lower string uh, units, second, third team, what have you, but he, he was just catching almost everything that was thrown his way. He was making plays, catching a variety of passes, running a variety of routes. That's another guy that you want to keep an eye on here and, and just goes further to your point of, uh, of the depth that they have at that position. Yeah, I think I saw a lot of Ducks fans on social media that were kind of worried about it, especially after last year. And you really can't take into account last year because it was the COVID year and so many guys opted out and it was just like, you didn't get to see a whole lot of depth, but now you, I mean, it, once they start blowing guys out, I think you're going to start to see, uh, it's not even going to be a fall off. Like you said, I think there's so much talent and you're going to see that coaching ability reflected in some of those guys that are lower. Like people might think that they put more effort into the starters and the ones and they're, they're working the twos and the threes um, just as hard as they're working the ones. So I think it's going to be so exciting to watch like once, you know, say Stony Brook, most likely they're probably going to run those guys out of the building. I, I can't wait to see some of those, those twos and those threes get in. Cause you know, I mean, Oregon's schedule is going to be crazy. They're not playing twos and threes against Ohio state or a lot of the pac 12. So I, I, I really can't wait for that Stony Brook game just to see some of those guys that, you know, we've been talking about and hearing about and maybe might not get some, start um might not start early on but might get some reps later in games it's uh they have a lot of talent just everywhere head to toe wide receiver one of the positions i'm you know probably the most excited about for this 2021 team um we've talked a lot about that uh we kind of flipped gears here between recruiting and you know current team but they're they're interconnected so it's it's it makes a lot of sense uh but we had a couple more points we wanted to hit on in tonight's pod um you know, you said that the Ducks have four people, uh, four guys committed at wide receiver in this 2022 class, but that's all to say that they might not be done. 
Uh, Darius Clemens, the top player in the state of Oregon, he's a wide receiver. He made a bit of a surprise visit uh, to Oregon uh, during that SNL weekend. Uh, he didn't camp, um, but I think that, you know, fans got uh, thrown into a little bit of a frenzy once they saw that he was on campus, you know, making that short commute uh, from Portland. And uh, I talked to him after that visit and, you know, he, you know, he just reaffirmed the fact that the Ducks are in a good spot here. And when I asked him uh, kind of just along the lines of what I just told you, Dylan, about people being excited and kind of surprised by the visit, he was telling me, you know, hey, people, people, it was funny, like they didn't really think that I liked Oregon that much. Uh, and then I show up and, you know, have this great visit. And, uh, you know, shortly after that, he placed the Ducks in his top three, uh, along with Auburn and Penn State. So um, I think I think uh, this one's probably a battle between Oregon and Penn State. Penn State is if Oregon's white hot, I don't know what Penn State is, but Penn State is going insane in this 2022 class. Got guys like Darius Coleman that we're talking about here for the Ducks as another target. And then also Kevin Coleman. He's uh, the S99 number one slot receiver in the country. SIL American, I should say, sorry, number one slot wide receiver in the country. Those are the two big names that we're looking at here uh, as far as more wide receiver targets for the Ducks in 22. Yeah, and I think you look at Darius Clemens, you think of a guy from Oregon having a top three of Oregon, Auburn, and Penn State. I, I always thought that was a really interesting when I saw that, that so many of the guys that Oregon has been able to land have been, you know, like Oregon, USC, Washington, um, Arizona, and in the case of TMAC, like I think it's really interesting that Oregon's the only Pac-12 school for a guy from Oregon. I thought that was really interesting. But uh, yeah, if they can land, I feel like they're the leader for Darius uh, Clemens. I feel like they have been for a while. Kevin Coleman is, I mean, he's a five-star guy. He, he's been recruited by everybody. So I can't say I'd be surprised if Oregon grabbed him, but having potentially six or seven receivers in a class uh, might be a lot. Um, especially with what they brought in in 2021, what they could return from guys who have uh, been previously recruited. I feel like I don't think they're going to land both Clemens and Coleman. Um, I feel like if you, I don't think you can go wrong with either one really um, with what they've already added. I think they don't need a whole lot more. So, um, you know, Oregon fans, I know they've been recruiting the heck out of both of them. So if you get, if they get either one, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a show. Coleman, a guy that was here in Eugene for, for SNL as well, uh, didn't camp. Um, you know, he, he was talking to a lot of the, the staff during that trip. Uh, but, you know, was, I saw him out there, you know, watching the camp and, and kind of taking it all in. With him, you kind of have the, the whole dream school narrative. Uh, um, you know, he, he's blowing up social media with these posts from his duck visit, which were just so cool. Um but uh, that's another guy that I kind of want to to get on the phone. But to to t- tie that into to Clemens, when you're talking about how many numbers they can really take at wide receiver in this class, he was telling me when we were on the phone, just kind of about, you know, I want to make sure that my spot is locked in with, with Penn State and Oregon. If Oregon gets two more receivers, I don't know if my spot's necessarily going to be there. So this commitment's awesome for the Ducks because it also maybe puts a little bit of pressure on Clemens to to lock in that spot. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure the Ducks are, are in the lead there, but things can change. He was telling me he wanted to get out to uh, Penn State and Auburn for, uh, you know, game day visits uh, once the season starts. And you got to figure that's a lot easier for him to do at Oregon when it's just a short drive away. So I'd say they're probably in better shape with Clemens. Uh, but I know that's not the, the you know, craziest thing to say uh, where, about where things stand right now, seeing that he's so close. 
And, you know, they're, the Ducks are going to do a lot to keep that top player um, at home. And then that also helps the Pac-12 because you have another guy that you're keeping out West instead of going out to the ACC, the SEC, the Big Ten to play their football out there. Yeah, Oregon's definitely doing a great job of um, doing what Washington promised to do and keeping guys in state. Um, I, I think they've done a great job with that so far. Um, and then another guy that they're in the running for is uh, Jolo Tucker. I mean, he announces, what do we have, four days here, August 20th. Um, that's That would be an impressive one as well. Um, so overall, like this month, not as crazy as July was overall, because July was just insane for Oregon. Um, but we could finish with really strong for the Ducks, seeing them grab a bunch of guys. SNL, I think, did did some wonders for them. Uh, it's great to see recruiting back, especially after COVID shut everything down. Um, you're really seeing the impact that it has being on campus, playing at camps in front of the coaches and fans. It, uh, it definitely does wonders. Yeah. And, and I've said that before, you know, it's, it's just a, it was just a matter of time after all this dead period. Once you get this, this, these guys on campus around this Oregon staff, uh, you know, around the vibes of Eugene with just the community behind everybody, it's, it's worked wonders. And it, and it really doesn't take that long to get things going. Um, Jaleel Tucker, like you said, Dylan, he's announcing, um, I believe it is the 20th. August 20th um, at 1130. That's another big time San Diego prospect. He's teammates with uh, current Ducks cornerback commit Jaleel Florence committed. Like we said, after that Saturday night live visit uh, Mario talking about Darren Barkins the other day in fall camp. And he said, you know, we're, we're taking, we take pride in that San Diego pipeline as well. Uh, Tucker's going to be deciding between Oregon, Washington, and FSU. Uh, FSU, a little bit of an interesting school there. When I talked to him after his visit to Oregon, he was saying that he kind of threw them in the mix because he wants to play wide receiver a little bit, or at least wants that option. Told me that that is, you know, a possibility uh, or has been, he's been told it's a possibility for, for uh, his college career, whether he potentially end up going to an Oregon or a Washington. Um, so that's definitely a, an intriguing aspect of the recruiting process to follow there. But yeah, man, it's it's been a jam-packed episode. Just hitting the just past the thirty-minute mark now. Um, you know, you've been doing some some great work for us uh, with uh, with fall camp as well. Even though you're you're not in Eugene, so got to give you a big shout out there. Dylan just had an awesome story about Drew Mathis, a veteran Ducks linebacker, and, and how he's planning to pursue a career in law enforcement uh, following his uh, his time with the Oregon football program. Um, just talking about how he wants to go out on a high note. And um, it's, it's, it's just been fun to follow. So Dylan just wanted to ask you, you know, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about on this pod, you know, as it relates to Oregon, whether it be recruiting, football, basketball, you know, there's just tons of stuff going on. Definitely. Uh, stay tuned to Ducks Digest, the pod, the articles, Twitter, everything. I mean, it seems like there's so much going on, especially with fall camp with you guys being there, you and Nick being there, and you're absolutely killing it. You're just killing the game over there. Um, it's a ton of work. So um, you guys have been killing it and you're getting the fans hyped and you know, that's all you can really do when you're going to the camp. Fans can't really go to the camp. You just have to find a way to get the fans into it. And the fans are, I don't remember a time where Oregon fans were more excited for a season than this one, especially playing Ohio state in week two. So um, in terms of, for me, you can follow me at DRK sports news on Twitter. You can find my stuff on ducks digest. I've got tons of stuff up there. Um, and I also, you can find me on the transfer portal, cfb.com. It's a new website that we launched on August 15th, me and some buddies, 
If you follow No Context College Football, they're a pretty big site on Twitter. We've partnered with them. We're going to have articles. We're going to have a podcast, have guests on the podcast. Uh, we're going to do gambling content, Twitch streaming, all kinds of stuff. So make sure you check that out as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, you're, you, you talked about how much excitement we have here. Um, you know, I'm definitely excited uh, to dive into some more team uh, team stuff right now. One of my favorite features I've kind of tried to start as a running series is freshman focus for Oregon. Um, you know, we have all these guys that are coming to Oregon as such highly touted recruits. And then, you know, it's just fun to see how that transition to college plays out. Um, but yeah, definitely give Dylan a, a follow over there and check out his work on the transfer portal. Dude just absolutely killed it with that web design. Um, Dylan has just been a rock star from day one here at Ducks Digest. He does all kind of awesome stuff for us. So big shout out there. Um, season's coming up, man. We, we got a bunch of stuff going. I'll be on a plane to Columbus in, in less than a month. That, that didn't hit me until, you know, yesterday. So I'm um, really excited about that. You can follow me on Twitter at mtorissports. Uh, go over to my YouTube channel, Max Torres, and subscribe to my channel. Uh, we're going to have this episode of the podcast on YouTube as well as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Got some big things coming for the site. Uh, make sure to stay tuned in. Thank you guys so much for listening and have a good one. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.